For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Bryant McKinney, who's a Super Bowl champion from the Baltimore Ravens, used to play for the Vikings. Tonight we have our usual crew with Ron Saw from Franchise Tagged, along with Sally from Minneapolis. And then tonight we'll also, we think, uh, welcome in Joe Johnson, owner of Vikings Territory, Purple PTSD, and other verticals in that realm. He'll stop by for the first time and discuss some topical items on the show. That's what we're doing tonight. No extra player guests other than McKinney. Uh, it's, it's Joe, Sally, Ron, myself, and Bryant, quite the crew in itself. Um, but yeah, we're going to go through all the topical stuff, some of the sound bites from the Zimmer Press Conference on Wednesday, and just some of the, the stuff in general that's been going on with the Vikings topics. There's always something to talk about. Uh, but first, per usual, we're going to talk about, um, excuse me, about betonline.ag. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to place all of your bets um, on the sports items that you covet. Uh, Mike Zimmer is the fifth most likely head coach to be fired per betonline.ag. So if you believe this is uh, nearing the end of the Zimmer era, you can hop on betonline.ag and put your money where your mouth is. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, the first bit of news that we'll cover tonight was a tiny little press conference, I guess if you want to call it that, that Mike Zimmer gave to some reporters via Zoom. Um, he said a couple things that were somewhat diplomatic, but at least it was some breadcrumbs that we could seize upon. Um, Ron, one of the first things that he talked about um, was an answer regarding, uh, regarding Irv Smith Jr. And when asked about his role or his uh, possibility for a breakout year, as most people forecast, he basically said, uh, I don't see his role changing whatsoever. And then he pivoted to talk about Tyler Conklin, which is fine and dandy. Uh, but I, I, I think I have Irv Smith pegged for a target heavy season. And if we're just going to replicate 2020 with Irv as the the frontier guy, I didn't really foresee that they would split it like Rudolph and Irv kind of did. So am I misinterpreting that and uh, Irv will get oodles of targets? So I, I do think that it, it might not have been what he ex- and expected to say, um, because I think everyone's considering Irv as the primary guy at, at tight end. But I think where he's elevating Conklin, the sense that we do a lot of two tight end sets and Conklin emerged last year as a reliable 
option, um, you know, as that second tight end. So I think that's more of what he's alluding to that. Um, whereas we all expect an uptick in Irv Smith's use, but now it's Conklin will be a major factor as well because of all the, the two tight end sets that we use. Okay. Sally, what say you on Irv Smith? Um, I kind of took it the same way. I don't really think it's really a talking point. I don't feel the need to rip Simmer's press conferences this early in the year. Um, But yeah, I think he kind of, that's what he was alluding to is that it's, you know, we already know his capabilities. I'm sure he will have way more targets, but Zim doesn't really think with that offensive mind. Um, So that's how I took it. Right, well, we'll talk that talking point up to bad show writing uh, on behalf of your friendly neighborhood host. <laughs> you wanted uh, me to disagree and rip them apart. Uh, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll I, take it. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it, Joe. It might be a little devil's advocate-y. I, I do like that Sal said I'm not going to rip Zimmer's press conferences dot, dot, dot this early <laughs> into the season as if it's just a foregone conclusion. Um, I, I kind of think the same thing, uh, to be honest, but I also think that looking back, I know it's a different Kubiak running things, but historically the elder Kubiak, you know, the, the, uh, the idea of him being a two or three tight end set running OC is true, but it never really materialized into multiple pass catching tight ends, but he would always default to the uh, tight end that could block better than, catch um uh so i i went back to like the 90s and looked at the percentages and how many you know balls went to each tight end and it never was this thing like uh you know like the patriots had uh pre-murder and so i think that it, it is if you take that into into uh the equation it, it is a little interesting to hear that especially with the fact that the Vikings don't have that many balls to go around to begin with, with Thielen, Jefferson, uh, Dalvin. And then he's saying that, well, I don't expect Irv to improve much, but this, you know, Conklin might to me with a limited <laughs> amount of balls going around the fact that they don't usually throw the ball to two tight ends that often. Mm-hmm. I think there is something there um, outside of the other big talking point, which is Zimmer is just really not great at press conferences. He, he, he always <laughs> tends to just ruin uh, somebody's self-esteem uh, early in the season, which I, I, I guess is kind of part of his charm, I would put it. But yeah. um, I think there's something there. Yeah. He, the, when he said he doesn't see his role changing whatsoever, Yeah, my knee jerk, and I'm glad Sally's here to reel me back in a little bit, is that he just sees it a cookie cutter of last year. And last yeah. year, Irv was g- decent, but it certainly wasn't uh, this breakout that we hope to see this year with Rudolph, by the way. Hey, Bryant, um, we've seen early, very early in uh, the OTA stuff, a couple of the offensive line combinations are the dudes that we had last year that didn't play very well. So I'm curious as to, I know you weren't there for your rookie year uh, um, because of the holdout, but is it pretty standard for rookies, you know, even first rounders have to really claw their way up the the OTA depth chart? Uh, OTA is kind of where they get a chance to kind of get an idea of where they are level-wise. But, you know, a first rounder, they're normally just throw you in there, just throw you in the fire to see what you can do. And it's up to you to kind of lose the position. So, I mean, that's pretty much how it is. Okay, yeah, we're doing a little bit opposite. Um, you know, we only have the one first rounder with Derisaw, but he and Wyatt Davis are not 
on you know the first team reps, which isn't that big of a deal, but it's a little mm-hmm. kooky because it's not like we have some hot shit offensive line that people need mm-hmm. to move themselves. So it's backward there. Uh, let's see what else dribbled out of that uh, press conference. Uh, Sally, we Zimmer said the proverbial. I haven't talked to Daniil Hunter. Um, also in that little soundbite, uh, which wasn't comforting uh, because yeah. we'll kind of we'll, we'll have a judgment day in what uh, two weeks that if he doesn't show up, he will be confirmed that he is indeed starting some sort of holdout. So are you spooked, Sally, by this? Um, No, not necessarily. I don't really think even if he did talk to him, he would say, because I think he knows that's the can of, can of worms that he's going to open um, mm-hmm. with everybody, but especially Chris Thomason, his buddy. He's going to be asked about it every single day. Um until we know something and he's he already knows he's going to be asked every day if he doesn't show up so i don't think he'd be forthcoming with the information anyway okay joe what's your take on this daniel stuff we haven't heard from you at least verbally uh, um, on the daniel stuff okay yeah i i she's sally's right i mean he, he's such a uh a cognitive dissonance of saying way too much about one thing and then not saying anything <laughs> about anything else it's the strangest just thing but I, for me honestly and if people don't really read my stuff i'm a very panicky sort of vikings fan and i've and i think that any percentage that isn't zero that daniel hunter doesn't play for the vikings next year it should terrify vikings fans i mean the idea of the arguably no i don't think it's an argument the best uh under 25 edge in the history of the nfl not playing for either a, a portion of the season or holding up for the entire season or, or ending up on another team it would be a catastrophe. Uh, you know, the, the, everything that we're talking about, all this excitement that doesn't seem to translate on a national level mm-hmm. is predicated on a lot of, of assumptions, you know, with guys coming back healthy, but you know, the, what they did uh, on the interior of the defensive line and Daniil coming back. And if he's not back, it just deflates the whole thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm a little freaked out about it. I'm not going to lie. And I think that um, they probably have had a lot of conversations about it, but mm-hmm. there hasn't been any positive updates and therefore we're not hearing about it, which I think is a negative. Okay. So Ron, here's, here's my thought. If indeed there's any semblance of Hunter being traded, not being on this team, even if he's traded for like two first round picks, the defense we saw last year what what we thought a patchwork defense might be able to do and then i thought it would be about mediocre but indeed it was not it was towards the very bottom of the league so because weatherly and wanham are the options on the right hand side of the line it spooks me to all hell that hunter wouldn't be on the left side because to joe's uh contention everything is predicated on having a little bit of pass rush and that's sponsored by daniel hunter it's not yep. going to be sponsored by the warhorse weatherly by himself his success depends on Hunter being there. So, yeah. and Everson Griffin is still, uh, you know, unsigned, but even bringing him back isn't going to be a fix all. So, do you have anything different, Ron, than our anxieties over the Hunter stuff? No, I, I, I wish I could uh, kind of give a voice of reason <laughs> and uh, hope for it. it but, um, I mean, to Brian's mentioned it before, where in defense, things can be going bad and one player can make a play. And Hunter is that, is the guy in that front line to do that. Now, if I'm taking the optimist approach and looking at it, say if as Hunter not on the team, our, you know, isn't there week one, our defense is marketably better than what it was last year. So sure. yes, it will be like, there will be an improvement, 
but you're banking on getting that guy that's you're going to roll in and he's going to get double digit sacks and be an impact. He's not going to be a Lance Johnstone type that we've talked about before, where just gets after the quarterback and that's all he does. He's going to be a difference maker for himself as well as the rest of the D line. So you hope that there is talks between him and his agent or, or the Vikings and the, and his agent going back and forth and that it's not at a stalemate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I look at it as it's hard to have leverage when you miss an entire year off the neck injury and not knowing your health, but you're also, you know, a 25, 26 year old in the prime of your career um, who's been dominant. So, um, you know, you, you are, your leverage is yourself. So I understand, you know, him taking care of himself and wanting to be paid higher than Leonard Floyd. <laughs> like I get that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll just hope and pray that he is back and all the pieces fall in place and, uh, and we'll be all right. Doesn't it, doesn't it feel though, like every variable possible for the Vikings in this scenario is bad there. Yeah. The amount, I, the amount of money he should have made pre-injury. The fact that injury tells him my, my my career could be over in a play, right? Like the Vikings don't have very much money. They, well, they so have they, 16 million now. So after yeah, the June 1st, I, sure, so. but then they also have the risk of paying him and then his, the injury. Right. Yeah. That, you know, that it, to it me just, is the bigger concern about it's paying. Bad, it's bad all around. And then I wonder what, what's the deal with uh, Griffin. And I know we can last year. He was kind of like, uh, went mad that a little bit. Zimmer said he was great, not good, not great, <laughs> or whatever. But it's like, why don't they, they can bring him back that, yeah. at least as a as a contingency plan? Well, I, I think I there's the mental instability concern there, and I yeah. don't mean that in a rude way. Um, we know that that's been an issue in the past, and I'm sure that that's a concern for anyone who may sign him. So, um, probably still waiting to see how that's going. If, if you're at home or on the road listening to the show and you're trying to swallow the fact that we're going to have to pay Hunter on a, on an iffy um, bill of health, the only way to rationalize it, and you better get to doing it, is that we got to discount the past two years. That's the only way to get around it. It's going to take a leap of faith, and you just got to do it. Otherwise, we're going to have a Digsian gig where you hope that you get a Jefferson in return. Some of us think that's the norm now, but it's not. Uh, so it, I uh, I don't think that it's going to end up in a trade or a big nasty situation. I think it'll be an ordinary, like, oh, cool, pops up my phone. They, they signed him long term. But you can't really I have think- it both ways. You can't be upset that we have to pay him now when we were happy that we paid him, you know, peanuts comparatively and like you know in, in a way i would actually say the vikings are in a favorable spot and as far as contract goes because if uh, if it is strictly about money and hunter wants to get paid they have the cap space now to to add that for this year and then next year the cap is going to jump significantly so yep. either like so for hunter's case if he were to wait and play out this year and then ask for a new deal he'll get even more money because just simple economics things are going to go up but if he's you know playing the stubborn card and wants to get paid now because he might be worried about his health that may in turn be a benefit for the vikings down the road because now next year instead of paying him 30 million it's going to be like 20 million so um it's glass half full type looking there i guess but (laughs) hey b mac so tell it b mac tell us emotionally what goes on during a holdout? You had one very early in your career. Um, are you are you on pins and needles? You just chilling? What's the deal? I mean, you're trying to stay in shape, but you really never know when you possibly could sign. It's always any day. So you're really just stationed in one place and kind of checking with your agent every day to yeah. kind of see like with the conversation, how the conversation's been going. I mean, for me, I kind of knew that we were far apart at a certain point. Yeah. And then I knew when conversations were heating up. And then I also knew about 
you know, the collusion part of it too. So then I knew that things would get done a little faster. So, um, yeah, but the most part, you're just trying to stay in shape and, and just do things to kind of be ready. Cause I remember, I think they played when I came into town, they were traveling. I, I came in town like on a Saturday mm-hmm. and they were leaving on a Saturday to go to Tampa Bay that year. And, um, I stayed there with the uh, shrimp coach and like we did a bunch of like conditioning drills and things like that. Um, and I did that the whole weekend, and then I just jumped right into, you know, the flow of things. Um, yeah. And everybody came back Monday. Okay. Did you have to worry about back then, like the like workouts, as far as like? So I'm using Juwan James as a as a example. This year, he's um, a Broncos tackle who they signed handsomely a few years ago, and he got hurt working out away from the team facilities. So, and you know, he's out for the year, so they cut him. At, they don't have to pay him for that. Did you have to worry about any of that? Like, um, I mean, obviously you weren't signed, but if you would have gotten hurt or something in any of your workouts, would that have like hindered being able to sign anything or like how oh, does that work out? Definitely because now I'm, I'm damaged goods for the most part coming in and you know what I mean? So you oh. still had to kind of still be smart in your workouts. And I wasn't working out, you know, just me and a trainer I wasn't like trying to do anything with anybody or be physical or out there really doing drills. It was just like, I just had to stay like in, more or less conditioned shape. Okay. You wouldn't have gotten it's that hard, one it's hard, anymore. It's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to mimic football shape. Like, right. It's very hard. <laughs> it's like right. you really got to play yourself to a certain degree into shape for football because your neck, like, you know, with the helmet on, you have to use carrying that. It's like a lot of just different things. So it's hard to be in football shape right away. Right. Um, can I chime in on this before we move on? Um, because sure. And this isn't directed towards anyone on this panel. This is more for um, the things that I'm seeing online. And Brian, I would like your perspective on this. But um, and Ron, this isn't towards you because I know this isn't how you meant this. But I think as sports fans, not just Vikings fans, we tend to dehumanize athletes that are a hobby for us. And it's easy for us to say, "Oh, well, you didn't play last year, so you need to prove yourself." Or um, you already make X amount of money. What's the difference? And so we we love these players when they are performing well for us, but then we criticize them every single time that they look out for their own self-interest. And I think if we look at Daniil, I mean, he's 26 years old. He came into the league as the youngest player in the league at, at under 21. He's never missed an entire season of an injury at any stage of his career (laughs) to sit there on the sideline and have all that free time to think and give you get a new perspective on your future. What's important. And a neck injury is nothing to joke about. Any injury that you've missed an entire season is most likely going to have lasting effects on your life. But this is your neck. And um, that's really serious. And I think that he has to look out for his future because and that's that has to be what's important for him. And it's nothing personal against the Vikings. It's nothing personal. Probably I want to be number one paid. Maybe that was the case before the injury. But I think we just all need to do a better job at thinking, at having empathy towards these people, that it doesn't matter how much money they make, they're people. Right. And that's why they're, right. they're, like, they're putting their body um, at risk. And, I, and actually, probably before you joined the podcast, Sally, I spoke on that before because I said, um, when we, as the athlete, tried to make a business decision, you know, a lot of fans look at us like, oh, what are you doing, this and other? But when the team decides to cut you, and that's the business decision right. on their part, you know, the fans are okay with it. So it's like, I don't understand. I never understood that part because either way, it's a business decision from the athlete or from the, the team. But when it's ever the athlete making a business decision for them and their livelihood and their family, we're always looked at or shunned upon like we're doing something wrong. Right. But when a team makes a business decision and says, I'm 
ready to get rid of you and bring somebody else in. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> and you have a very short career to consider. I mean, you're lucky if you play 10 years. You know, that's abnormal in the league. Well, the average you is 10 and a half. That's what yeah. people better realize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to make the best decisions for you at that time. And so I totally respect whatever he does or any other player does in that position. Right. So um, I just think that we're going to see a lot of bad, negative things said. So for anyone who's listening, please look at it from someone else's point of view other than your selfish self. Yeah, and that's where I Don't said, like, that. you know, it's like the players are their assets. They have to look out for themselves. So I I'll completely get that. But yeah, to your point, it's like what's going on in the NBA with fans. The second they're back, they're allowed back and they act like <laughs> jackasses and don't know how to act like freaking human beings so yeah. um yeah i totally i hate how like all that like happens and then you know i i go back to the Le'Veon bell situation where when he held out and people are ripping him like oh you you're leaving 16 million dollars on the table whatever but it, like from a, the stamp his standpoint he could get hurt he could tear, tear his acl and hurt any future earnings so for i think in that standpoint he benefited because he sat out a year and he get, then got his money that he wanted the steelers benefited because they didn't have to pay him and then they were able to roll the dice. So there are times, like for me, I always get in the mold of when it's millionaires versus billionaires, I'll side with the millionaires because if, <laughs> if, if the players aren't getting the money, we sure as hell ain't. So um, I could care less as long as the team can afford it. As like It goes back to like the cousins contract. I don't care. The team seems to be doing just fine. Like they're not like, it hasn't hurt them from signing anyone else. So the contract should never be a problem. So mm-hmm. I sure as hell hope that there's no negative things about Hunter because oh. other than the contract, he's been nothing but um like just a model citizen like there's gonna be there's gonna be though i mean you guys remember was it last year when uh dalvin dalvin was holding out for things you that weren't really things yet like because of the way they changed things uh, in that back in the day if you held out that money that you were fined that you would get back once you signed your new contract they they took that away so essentially if dalvin would have held out for i think like 28 or 29 days it would have been his entire year's salary so that's why like in at like easter it was like dalvin's holding out and it's like from what you know he wasn't really doing anything it was a it was a negotiation tactic and almost every uh, comment that we got on the sites on social media was like cut him he's selfish he's a a diva and it's just like what so i i I, I fully expect it yeah it's it'll happen now i want to say that it seems over the past two three four five years that there's seedlings of player empowerment. It's not fixed, and there's certainly not universal empathy. But for instance, before Deshaun Watson re- was revealed to be very shady, or Russell Wilson wanted to be traded, they weren't panned nationally as selfish pricks. It was, oh yeah, Russ is always getting sacked. He's been sacked more than anybody in the last nine years. No wonder he wants out. Or well, it depends on who you ask. So. Well, yeah, the hometown teams <laughs> probably aren't happy, but nationally, it wasn't. It wasn't. Look at this bastion of selfish quarterbacks. It was like, oh, cool that they can they can speak out now and they can want to write their own, uh, you know, destination. Right. But then there's a lot of depending on the player that does it, like with Watson, for example. Um, and again, pre any of these allegations, like mm-hmm. he demands a trade and. Brett Favre, for example, yeah. like Bryant, your former teammate, he comes and rips him apart and says yeah. he shouldn't be asking for a trade and whatnot. J.J. Watt then comes out and demands to be released and not a damn word from Favre. Like, hmm, wonder what the what the play is there. So. Yeah, head scratcher. That's actually the last thing we talked about on my uh, podcast slash radio show um, 20 minutes before I came on here was with my co-host Joe, like where he saw the player empowerment thing going and whether or not 
it was just kind of an extension of the fact that NFL players have the worst collective bargaining agreement of any pro sport. Absolutely. And it reminds me of something that I would love BMAX insight on, but Chris, uh, Chris Cluey, the punter uh, came on my podcast a lot back in the day. And we talked about the rookie symposium and how they have these like business seminars, the guys trying to sell young guys who just got money, like, you know, invest in my, restaurant and it just seemed odd but he told me that the reason the nfl has the worst cba is that the most players can't afford to even risk a strike because they uh, live paycheck to paycheck and so the owners know that and that's why they basically treat them like crap because there's no leverage outside of that keanu reeves movie uh for some sort of um strike and i don't know if that's been your experience in, in dealing with the owners or, or well, i agree i agree because you have a wide range of the, of salary of what people are getting paid you have people who just came in you have people who are free agents and happy to be here and, and want to work their way up you have people who might have been top draft picks who might have a little cushion so everybody's not in the same place financially and everybody's not willing to take that risk. Like it's, it's a gamble, you know, kids a gamble. So everybody's not willing to take that risk because they rather should, you know, make things secure for their family and their future. Yeah. And the other uh, piece that I never quite understand on the selfishness part uh, of, of fans or, you know, just uh, naysayers is that the, a lot of these men have this skill set that's going to make them a lot of money and they have an, one opportunity to do it. And hopefully for them, that spans 12 years. But in reality, to Brian's point, it's three and a half years. So they've got to go mm-hmm. grab money. It is not that they're incapable of doing other stuff, but to the level at which they're going to earn, um, mm-hmm. you know, $800,000 minimum or whatever, when they get done, they might just be a regular project manager like me. And so there's a discrepancy in the prices. So it should be all the power to everybody. I don't care if you're Aaron Donald or... Um, um, you know, Dakota Dozier, they should be fighting to get every uh, paycheck because most of them only have this three year span to grab about 500,000 there, 700,000 there. And when we think about athletes overpaid, we're, we're just thinking about the headliners like, well, God, this guy is making Kirk Cousins money. They all make that. No, they don't. It's but just- it's also all about perspective, right? Like what is a normal paycheck for Brian McKinney is not a normal paycheck for me. Right. So I how I don't know his lifestyle, his spending habits. That's his perspective on his money. So you can't keep people compare these apples to oranges like, oh, I'd be so much ha- so happy if I made half that. It's not about that for one. And for two, how would these Joe schmucks feel if somebody what? was telling them in their line of work, you don't deserve a raise. You don't deserve right. a raise. You were sick last week. Right. You don't deserve a raise. You need to work harder and do this and this. You have to think about it. This is their job. Compare right. it to your job. How Your work performance, you perform well, you want more money. Right. Yeah. And right? like the when's the last time, like, you know, this again goes back to the players and how like us fans and I'm lumping us all in, um, even though like I know we don't might not feel this way, but the majority of fans like have their own opinions when a player holds out or asks for more money. But they always come out of the woodworks. Oh, this guy's uh, um, whatever, like and thug gets thrown around a lot, like or whatever for black athletes and that dumb stuff. But when's the last time that a fan has criticized a coach for leaving for a head coaching job for a better position somewhere else? No one ever. No one rips Kevin Stefanski because here. because <laughs> no, oh, he it. left after ten or a decade plus here to go be the head coach of the Browns. No one once ripped him. Like so, I I don't get where like why that like as a fan they feel like they could do that. And again, it goes back to the NBA where fans think that they 
can do whatever they want and not get in trouble or not do whatever. But I think everyone just needs to have that like self-realization of like, yes, like the players, the team's here for our entertainment, but the players aren't here for like our individual entertainment and for us to like, whatever, like we can wish players the best. Like Diggs is a perfect example. Like he just clearly wanted a new like outlook on things. So I don't hold that against them at all. And fortunately for us, it worked out that we got Jefferson. So um, it's, you know, yeah, Sally, to your point, it's everyone worry about their own self and, you know, never spend another, like I always run by the philosophy, never spend another man's money or tell them how they can and can't make money. You know, what drove me the craziest of multiple things when people started running Randy Moss out of town, when I, (laughs) when I was in college, it's when he, was being filmed at winter park by a fan and he, because he got fined for spraying that ref with that water bottle (laughs) and straight cash homie. And people were somehow upset. They they were like people in Minnesota are working class and, and work really hard. And $10,000 is a lot of money. And for him to just say that rich people don't write checks, is such a slap in the face. And I was like, do I have to move? Like, <laughs> what, what is going on? They're just looking for things to get mad about. There, there, there's nothing offensive about that. And now it's like on all this merch and all these Vikings fans like it, but people yeah, back then him didn't. Now. Yeah. yeah. Back but they then couldn't wait for him to be gone, but now oh, they... Man. Oof. He's a yeah. god. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, so it drives weird. me crazy. It drives I, me I crazy. play when I want to play. When it's like you go <laughs> no. run forty yard sprints every single time and tell me how you wanna how you wanna feel running routes. They also taken out of context too. Yeah, he was. They asked him why he played better in primetime games. Yeah, and what the motivation was, and he said that that wasn't it. It's the motivation comes from my inside of me. I play when I want to play, not because I'm Al Michaels is talking about. I think me. the numbers dictate that if 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 that was Randy Moss dog in it, like that's a hell of a career. Yeah, I was, I've always said the yeah. same thing, like yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh on on the idea that you know athletes should get paid what they're paid and be content with it. We almost have like a Roman Empire feel. Like we truly think that they're gladiators that are just there to do yeah. one thing and that's kill tigers and then go home and are you not die. entertained? Yeah. 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 It, right. And then we just don't have a problem when the owners get richer and then Stefanski gets promoted. It's like, Oh yeah, well good job. So Bryant, how is that lifestyle or like from a player standpoint in the, at the college ranks? Cause I've always said the NCAA is the biggest sham out there. Like they're like, as far as how much money they make and how everything's funded you by can't. boosters and everything like mm-hmm. is the fans, do they kind of treat players the same way there, knowing that it's a short stint? No, there I feel like the fans really, um, it's more to me like a family. It's not business. Okay. You know what I mean? Cause people aren't being traded in and out of that locker room. You know, you're like kind of there for that four years or five years. You're not getting so paid. It's right. a little more different. Yeah. You're not getting paid. And even if you get a summer job, you can only make so much because they don't want nobody trying to favor it. type of favoritism. So it's like, you're limited on what you can make. You don't get no money. Yeah. <laughs> Those Ohio so, state they, guys got free tattoos and, and almost <laughs> lost their whole career like 10 years ago. It's nuts. It's, yeah. it's, it's selective, <laughs> selective capitalism. We want to preach go, gung-ho capitalism, but not when we uh, want to manipulate it. So, Ooh. all right, uh, Joe, the, that, I, I wrote a piece for purple PTSD one, a couple days ago about uh, which one, Oh yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, th- there was a gambling site that had the Vikings, uh. Cardinals, and Steelers all at the same percentage for Super Bowl win percentage. I think it was plus four thousand. 
yeah. Do you, sir, consider those three teams equals in terms of win projections and you know playoff um, aspirations? Okay, so I am known around the Vikings world uh, as maybe a wet blanket or <laughs> that I'm negative for a fact or blah, blah, blah. And so I have uh, said since the draft, because they did things in this draft that I wanted them to do, <laughs> that I'm on the positive Vikings bandwagon. Uh, no one will sit by me, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, so I, I took the time before this glorious show to write down all the teams as odds. Because a lot of people don't understand, myself included, up until I did this, what these numbers mean, which essentially uh, the best odds are uh, KC at plus 500, which I th- think I think it means if you, if you bet, you bet five hundred to win a hundred. Wait, you bet five hundred to get a hundred? If it's a plus, yeah, you have oh. to bet five hundred to win a hundred. I no. I thought it was bad. Or no, or is it the other way around? The other way around. Okay, you bet 100, oh, sorry, yep, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say that's the worst deal ever because what about seventeen thousand five hundred for the? T- <laughs> I was like, wow, 18, 18 grand to get hundred bucks. Uh, but you know, if you look at where they are which is pretty low down on the list. I think they're in the late teens, early twenties, you know, they're the cards, uh, Steelers, uh, Patriots have better odds than they do this, you know, the, the, the dolphins, uh, none of the, I don't know. They just, I don't think a, if I'm being honest, they should be on this on this list at all. They should be over here because I don't think they're ever going to win a Super Bowl from an emotional <laughs> standpoint. But if you're looking at at their roster and and what they were able to do last season with a patchwork defense that had a ton of injuries, um, so on and so forth, uh, the, the, an offensive line that somehow found a way to get worse. They, they invested in that in a way that I, I think is going to be very impactful. I just don't under understand some of the some of the stuff like this. I mean, people talk about Russell Wilson's season last year, and he did have kind of a, a cool off period towards the end, but it was a career year, uh, MVP level. If you look at his stats versus Cousins' stats, they're almost identical: 105 QB rating, same PF, very similar PFF ratings. Uh, both had 13 interceptions. Uh, Cousins had more yards, and then I think uh, Wilson had three more touchdowns, and they won a couple more games. But if you I just, I think people have this idea of Cousins being this anchor when in reality, if you look at what he was asked to do last year, which was keep the, the opposing offense off the field for as long as possible. Cause our defense is bad. So you have to dink and dunk and have 10 play drives, but you also have to score a touchdown on those drives. Otherwise you end up like in the Tampa game with a crazy time of possession and you, and you lose cause you miss a couple of field goals and you don't score any touchdowns. Uh, I think honestly with any semblance of protection, the level of protection that, that Russell Wilson had last year from a pass protection protection standpoint mid mid teens um the defense bouncing back to neil hunter being there uh i really do think this team uh could make a significant run in in the playoffs i I just yeah where they're grouped uh and what i read nationally i just it doesn't 
make a whole lot of sense to me, but I think that's just because nobody likes cousins, I guess. And they, they just think he, he'll don't, he'll never get them there, even though he's the second or third most accurate quarterback in NFL history on all three levels of, you know, like he makes every throw very accurately. He, he's lethal in the red zone. I just, I really don't get it. So yes, I think it's a, it's a really dumb bet. If I, uh, thought my car could last getting to northern iowa i would go down there and place that hundred dollar bet to i think to win i think what they negative they do three thousand the national <clears throat> i think the national folks they take the standings from last year and they go seven and nine and they go cousins yeah mm-hmm. eight and nine nine and eight sounds good to me so sally's shaking her head if you're listening and not watching <laughs> sally hit us with well it. i kind of I need to do a better job at hiding my face reactions. I guess I, well, first I was making that face because I, maybe I misunderstood the question, but I thought we were talking about um, those other two teams. If we thought it was an accurate thing for them. And then also I've never met this version of Joe before. So I'm just a little confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm usually in, in the bushes outside. Your I'm house like, who? Anymore. Who's talking? Who is this? He liked. He liked the draft. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um, so we are talking about the Steelers, right? Real quick. Sure. Um, so honestly, with the Steelers, when you compare the Vikings to the Steelers, I think it's almost kind of insulting to have them at eight point five, um, because if you remember the Steelers last year, they did go twelve and zero, but then they lost five out of their six last games. And if you think about their division. Baltimore already has been good. You've got the Browns trending way up. Kevin Stefanski's Browns. And then um, I would be surprised if the Bengals don't um, make some improvements as long as Burrow is okay. And the Bengals beat them on Monday night football. Um, And then the Browns beat them in the wild card round. So I, and the Steelers do have the hardest um, schedule in the NFL. So I would be honestly surprised if they get to eight. So that's, I think the Vikings will be higher than them at the end. Okay. Ron, what about uh, the Vikings sharing, sharing bed space with the Cardinals and the Steelers for Super Bowl odds? So, yeah, I'm, I guess it's kind of in that same mold of, I think those two teams are, I, I would say they're very comparable in the sense of, like, I'm not saying team structure or anything, but what, they have to overcome to be successful. Like obviously the Cardinals, um, like the Vikings aren't the favorites in the division, but they're a team like, you know, Vikings are the youngest team in the league um, and trending upward. They obviously adding JJ Watt and, you know, in adding some other talent to that defense, their defense is going to get better as well. And then adding Rodney Hudson as a center to um, Kyler Murray is going to be huge because their offensive line, I don't think it's possible, but I think it was worse than the Vikings last year uh, because they've just been bad. So um, in the sense that, you know, again, I don't care to look at what the odds are at this point, because, you know, I see the Vikings being in the conversation to compete for the division. If Rodgers is jettisoned from the Packers, Vikings would be, in my mind, the favorite um, to win the division. And then, you know, again, it's how how are the odds all broken up at that point. But um, I think as it stands now, um, I think they'd be in that mix to to make the playoffs um, as a wild card, Um, whether that means, you know, nine or 10 wins, I'm not sure, but uh, um, I think that they're trending upward. Yeah. I, I, I think right now it's 11 six. If, if it was season was going to start today, 
Uh, that will tumble by at least two or three losses if Daniil Hunter is not on this team. And if Rodgers is not on the Packers, then it's going to spike by two or three wins. Um, that's my take. So, Sally, I'm going to hand off the show to you for these last 20 minutes. We want to go through some uh, personal story segment for the whole group. Um, what, what's on your mind to pick one another's brain? All right. Well, yeah, I was just thinking, let's, you know, it's the off season. Mm-hmm. We don't have a ton going on. Um, we should maybe do a couple of little lifestyle segments, get to know each other a little better. So Bryant always has the best stories. Yes, he does. Um, <laughs> so and we, we got to get to him about the, that, what went down on Twitter earlier today. So, <laughs> well, do you want to talk about that first? Cause if he, he might need to go. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's, let's, when are you, when are you leaving tonight? Don't you need to get going out? Yeah. Not so I got time. Oh, okay. Real, Party don't start. Playing real coy. Yeah. He doesn't kiss. And, he doesn't kiss and tell. Yeah. Why? Why haven't we got an invitation to your event coming up here in Minnesota? Y'all yeah, somebody that book. <laughs> why didn't you tell? Why would somebody book me for that? Like, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, but yeah, I seen that. Um, I just found out about it like two or three days ago, and I'm like, "Are you for real?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "On Lake Minnetonka." As long yeah, as Fred's so mood's me, not there, I think it's okay. Robert Chamberlain. <laughs> Robert Griffith. Uh, yeah. Robert Griffin, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to go? Yeah, I'm uh, going. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not buying my $125 ticket if you're not going to be there. That's, <laughs> I'm going. That's how much the tickets cost? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got to know that. Plus <laughs> alcohol. Cash We just got to say we oh, know okay. someone. So. Highway robbery. It's going to cost me $300 with an Uber to get there. Jeez. <laughs> right. I'm actually out of town that. Uh, that I'll be in Chicago that day, but if you're here on that Saturday, B Mac, then we, yeah, we should plan all, all to get together and believe in Vikings just for dinner and drinks or something. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'll only till that Sunday. Okay. Ooh. Well, yeah. if you're free on the Saturday, probably earlier because you'll probably want to hit the Minnesota nightlife. But uh, you know, um, I know Dustin here in South Dakota, but well, Sally, I'm coming you're up local. for a charity event on that Saturday. A bolder okay. options, but yeah, I'll be around. Okay. So you're going to do the, the righteous stuff in the day and then the dirty stuff at night. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Isn't that how it goes? Night or is the day? Get in between the sheets at night, for sure. Uh, All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk. Okay, so I'm just curious. What Everyone, tell your story. What is your, like, favorite Vikings moment, either from a game you went to or just watched on TV? What is something that just still makes you happy to think about? Joe, Mr. Positivity, why don't you start? Yeah, Joe, you yeah. I still tear up watching is 2009. I think it was week four. I said happy. <laughs> oh, San Fran? He, he, he knows it. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's week four. And uh, they you guys have been winning, but it wasn't like, you know, Favre had really done it in the preseason. So he was rusty. He was basically just dumping the ball off the Percy a lot. And he, you know, I, I still remember the the play by play by play call. Favre uh, evades pressure, rolls out, throws it to Greg Lewis. Like the scream, the catch, which was one of the most amazing catches of all time. Right to get both of those toes in, and that was the moment when I was like, "This is real." Favre's on the Vikings. He's bringing the magic I hated for so long. And it was just, it's just something still that, that gets me all misty eyed uh, when I watch it. And so 
other than that, a lot of my, my really favorite Vikings memories come down to, you know, going to training camp and stuff with my dad, male bonding stuff that makes me uncomfortable. So one of the yeah. best parts about that, that game or that touchdown too. So I was in that end zone on that side. No so that the touchdown, um, you know, like it happens and it's a touchdown. And so everyone goes nuts, but then they review it and then they confirm that it's a touchdown. So you get to go nuts twice. So that, that to me was the best part of that. Bryant, what was that like for you guys on the sideline? Yeah, we never talked right, about that. Right, that was Brian. big. I kind of knew that's what he was going to say when he said, like, before we he said 2009. Because yeah. in my mind, I was already thinking that. Um, but at first when he said 2009, I thought he was going <laughs> to another direction. But Me too. That game, but that game, um, yeah, that was a big, like, clutch last-minute play. So that did stick in my mind. That, I, that was actually what I thought about originally. What was that like for you guys? Like, could you believe it? Did you know for sure that it? it I didn't know for sure. It? So the replay, because it looked like to me, I could tell if he was in or out from where I was at. Because you know yeah. he was so far downfield, and there was a lot of traffic back there too. So I couldn't really see. And he was towards the end of the, you know, the um, end zone. So I wasn't even sure. So once the, you know, the replay confirmed it, it was a celebration. Yeah. That was so awesome, Ron. Which. What's the top of your list? So I, well, I obviously I have a lot of them and I'll go a little off the cuff on one. Um, so I go back to, um, and this is a game that I unfortunately was not able to watch. So I'll get to that here in a second. The 2005 playoff game at Lambeau. So the Randy Moss moon game. So I was on my, on a cruise or on my way, or we were at the dock in new Orleans and we get there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to find a bar, watch this game, whatever. They did not have Fox on the, on the boat. We haven't left yet. So I'm sitting there and I'm pissed off. Like we make our way to just a bar because hoping that they're going to find it. We end up surrounded by about 50 Packer fans. And there's a handful of us Vikings fans, but the game's not on TV. So I'm, and this is back again, 2005. So early on in the text messaging phase, right? So I'm, I texted two of my buddies back at home. Like you guys got to give me updates of this game. Like as it happens, just, so I'm got my bases covered. So sure enough, the first text I get, and this is early, like right, the game just started, and I see broken play, Culpepper rolls out, dumps off Mo Williams, 70-yard touchdown. And I'm like, bullshit. Like, no way that happened. <laughs> and then so I announce in the bar, seven-nothing Vikings. And then Vikings score again quickly. 14-0 Vikings. Get a field goal. 17-0 Vikings. And now the, I'm really pissing off these Packer fans. They have no idea. They don't believe me. They think I'm full of shit. I think the Packers get a field goal. And then they're like, oh, you don't announce that. You guys weren't believing me for anything. So then finally we go to dinner. And at this point we take off and, you know, dinners on cruises are supposed to be formal. Right. So it's very, uh, we're sitting there. And again, I'm, I'm just itching, like what is going on with this game? And uh, so I'm getting text messages all throughout and we're sitting with another family that we're now just meeting. And then I hear like the play-by-play of the Randy Moss touchdown, you know, the pretend moon and Joe Buck is, you know, whatever in his own head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally I get back and I'm able to see the highlights. Um, and, you know, I, so at this point I know what happens. I'm a, at the U of M. So I have a lot of Packer fans who are there too. Um, the U of M here, not Miami. So, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, so I was, you know, calling them all and just rubbing it in and whatnot. So that to me is the, I guess my most unique biking story, because again, I've had a lot of good ones and I've had a lot of bad ones, but that one's one that stands out for one of the most memorable games that, that I wasn't able to see, but I still know like the back of my hand what happened. And here we are 16 years later. 
Did your family learn to never book a vacation? I was going to say. Before <laughs> the Super Bowl again? Or so, one that values formal wear at dinner versus I think, television? I think they know that now. Um, okay, even though okay. I remember, like, so I was very against going on this cruise. Um, like, I was like, I don't want to go. And uh, they're like, well, you have to. It was whatever. My sister was graduating nursing school or something at the time. So, um, and, you know, I was, I think I was 18, 19 or something, whatever. I was younger. So I didn't have much say, but uh, yeah, it was very, ironically, it was leaving from New Orleans and then a few months later, Katrina hit New Orleans. So, um, you know, and then, yeah, but it's again, just a very, a unique look at it, but I still remember vividly the the text messages coming through on my old T9 phone, looking at it and (laughs) not believing it. And sure enough, it was, that's what, that's what was happening. Is it my turn, Sally? Yeah, Dustin, your turn. I think um, so. Outside of moments or memories that I have with my my children, my wife, and my mother, and plug your ears, like some sexual moments or memories, the the best feeling I've ever had in my body was the miracle because I was there <clears throat> and it was the pandemonium, and I really was. I've never felt a state of disbelief in my life. So sports wise, that that probably tops the cakes solely for the fact that I was there. LeBron James has given me dozens of moments that are comparable at least at home in my living room um but i think broadly really <laughs> <laughs> i think uh broadly uh adrian peterson's rise to power did a lot to h- how i looked at football because probably like the rest of you i was all about throwing the ball airing it out and i wasn't pleased when we had adrian to begin with because i, I wanted us to finally get a quarterback but when I start to realize how deadly he was and how fun he was to watch, it really transformed the way I looked at football, whether it was running the ball, which is frowned upon now, or playing defense, which we didn't do a lot of then. It kind of transformed my mindset of football. And then there's there's other ones. There's a very severely underrated game in the 1997 playoffs where the Vikings came back against the Giants in the Meadowlands. And nobody ever really talks about that, but it was, it was incredible. It was Cunningham before Vikings fans knew who Cunningham was because he came off the bench to replace Brad Johnson that game, and and they won. They got slaughtered by the Niners the next week. But when doesn't that happen? Um, but yeah, there are several others. I know that there is a lot of pessimism around our fan base and the, the times that we choke it away. But I am grateful for uh, oodles of Vikings memories. Sally, you're up. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a lot of mixed feelings about the miracle. Um, obviously, it was great in the moment, but I think for me, it raised my expectations way too much for the next game because mm-hmm. I started believing you know, because that really shouldn't have happened. Right. Like the coverage is blown. So I'm like, okay, somebody's finally looking out for us. (laughs) The the Super Bowl is at home. You know, I thought like the stars were aligning. This is why we suffered for so long. This is going to happen. Same here. That's why I booked my trip to Philly. (laughs) Yeah. I can't look back at that now and really feel happy. Um, but something I will always feel happy about is, um, 2016, the home opener of US, the opener of US Bank Stadium, home opener. Um, I, when the schedule was released, I'm pretty sure we all dreaded that we were opening our beautiful new stadium against the Packers. It was so much anxiety. I was there. Yeah, it was so much anxiety. Like if they lose their very first game here and it's to the Packers, we are never going to hear the end of this. Yeah. Um, and so I just remember being so stressed for what, six months or something. (laughs) And then, you know, the game, it was really, I mean, it was back and forth. It was, it went down to the wire who was going to win. Teddy had been injured before remembers in the Mm -hmm. training camp. So there was so much uncertainty of what was going to happen. And then, so to watch that game, it was great. I think Trey Waynes had picked off Aaron 
Yep. Um, and that, that did it. And it was, it was just beautiful. I'll never forget it. I have a funny off the field memory of, um, I think it was the last training camp in Mankato. And I was walking back to the parking lot where you parked, if you had a press pass and I was looking at my phone, reading that Linval Linval just got his extension mm-hmm. and I see him dipping by on like a brand new Vespa. And he, tried, he was going really fast and he tried to take a corner and just like 35 miles per hour, just biffed and like rolled. And I like ran over, like, I'm going to help this dude. He's gigantic and I'm not small either. He got up and he said, he said, you didn't see shit. And just like, like I was like, dude, you, you, I'm literally looking at your contract extension. Like what if it could have been the end of it? He's <laughs> clumsy, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, yeah. He was like, you didn't see, yeah, I, was, I was like, I'm not going to run up to Spielman. I'm, you don't have to worry about it. Remember uh, when he ran out of the tunnel though, and he tripped over the camera guy. Oh yeah. 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 yeah he's clutz. <laughs> it's gotta be hard to carry that much weight around when you're that, when just do that size yeah. like, sure. and not tall like Brian's. All right, um, Sally, we got time for one more. Oh, should we do rapid fire? Okay, Ooh. so um, which – we'll do it quick. Though. Which uh, Vikings kicker gives you the most nightmares? Gary I guess it's Anderson. only really two answers. but Gary Anderson for me, hands down, because yeah, how do you go perfect all year long? And then – oh, my God, yeah. I And I for me, that was – I was in the formidable years. I was, what, 11 or 12 whatever it was at that time. And so just starting to fall in love with football and have my heart ripped out at a young age, I guess, I guess it teaches you, uh, <laughs> teaches you how to be a Minnesota sports character fan. Build, so. Character building. Blair Walsh, without a doubt. Mine is, I, mine is Blair because again, like some of you, as I was at that game and the only way that I knew it was missed based on my angle was the way that Richard Sherman started running and looking happy. Uh, and I was yeah, like, everyone why, was why? Cheering. I was like, why the hell is he happy? Yeah. And I was like, there's, but here's the deal. I've told this story before and I'll tell it real quick. It was such a close field goal that even me, the Vikings, like feeling of the cynic, I didn't think there was any way. I didn't even think uh, about oh. him missing the field goal. Yeah. Cause it was so close. I didn't yeah. think like, what if he misses it? Like I usually do now, but it was so close that I didn't even think about him missing it. I started yeah. thinking about, all right, we're gonna play the Cardinals or the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-seven yards. <laughs> yeah, so I used to, I I used to be one of those dudes that only smoked cigarettes when I was like at the bar or drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not making this up. After he missed that kick, and then every kick the next year, subsequently with other kickers, I had to go outside to smoke when we kicked field goals. And I'll probably from all I can tell, I'll probably be dead in two years. It, they it, uh, he didn't just ruin that period. I have like a phobia of Vikings field goal kickers kicking field goals. I mean, Dan oh, Bailey came yeah, here yeah. was, was the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. And then all of a sudden just was terrible. Like I just, I don't understand it. Brian, we'll have to open that at? can of worms another time because I think we have feelings. Brian smirking. No, I'm just laughing at his response. <laughs> all right. Fair well, enough. You had Longwell all those. Longwell never let oh, us yeah. down. So. Longwell, when I first got there, Gary was there, though. But, yeah, Longwell, <laughs> he was there. Oh, yeah, Gary came back, didn't he? Or was that Morton? That was Morton. Are you sure it wasn't Morton Anderson, Bryant? No, Gary was there when I first came in. Gary, he's, like, from Australia. Yeah, he was there. 
Yeah, oh, I thought, you meant, uh, I thought you meant Morton Anderson retired and then returned to the league because he definitely did. And he rocked that one, that one bar. <laughs> he had that one bar, like, kicker helmet like they had back in the style. I guess Gary I forgot like that Gary came got, back. Gary was like 40 or 41 or something when I got there. Gary was up there. Okay. Yeah. One more, Sally. Um, well, I didn't answer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go oh, off the, um, out of the box, and I'm going to say Daniel Carlson oh. uh, because <laughs> – you know, he was so good. What was he, a fifth-round pick? And I went to Lambeau that day. It was so hot. I had so much sunburn, and that was the worst game to just sit there. I mean, leaving with a tie in any game <laughs> is awful, but the it was just – yeah. So then to see the poor kid get cut the next day after his second game and then go find happiness elsewhere, it, it stings. It really does. But that goes off of what Joe just said. Um, with kickers sucking, we'll have to talk about that another time because I have my theories. Um, another question. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> let's see. Um, Last one and quick for the responses. Who? Um, yeah, quick responses, just no explanation. Who is um, your biggest disappointment? One player. All time? or All time. <clears throat> That's a hard one. Mm. <laughs> uh, this is probably not the right answer for me for all time, but I, uh, Michael Bennett, maybe? I liked him a lot. Disappointing? Oh. The running back. Yeah, but he got, he was decent for. Yeah, you know, I just thought he was gonna be he had like a good old line in front of you him. know Robert Smith two point oh. and he I mean he had Olympian track speed he had like three games in a row with seventy yard touchdowns but yeah uh, I just thought man him the speed that he had alongside Moss and Carter and stuff um, I'm sure there's a a much better answer I mean. Um, uh, my, mine is so there's a bunch, but every ba- fan base has a bunch when it comes to draft picks. And mine is Matt Khalil only because it looked like we had the left tackle, you know, kind yeah. of in the immediacy after Bryant figured out once again. And the fact that he was so damn good in year one, and then it's like, what the hell happened? Left me, and I kept holding on, thinking, all right, this is going to be the game he gets back. And I thought that for like two, three years, and I was moronic. Ron, who's yours? Mine, I so I would probably say Ryan Cook in the sense that when we traded Culpepper, and that's what we use for it. So my, I didn't, uh, I wasn't a fan of that at all at the time. And uh, granted, we yes, we've had a lot of disappointments, but that was the one where right off the bat I was not happy with, and seemingly he wasn't didn't perform well, whether it was playing out of position or not. Um, so Brian, I don't know if you have any opinions on him as a player, if he was. You know, just out of position or not. But yeah, yeah, they moved him around the center and then he was a right tackle. <laughs> yeah, he was everywhere. Uh, I feel like they just moved him around too much. They TJ Clemmings and Tim. <laughs> Sally Turnstile. Um, I oh my god, it just completely escaped. Oh, I'm gonna go ponder. No explanation needed. Okay. <laughs> hey Brian, can you work on uh like a Patrick Peterson or or, or somebody from the current right, team? Or is that ask, um Tom is, somebody? Is that tricky to do for the current players? I've been talking to Patrick Peterson about coming on a network show randomly. So I can maybe. Brian, are you going to go to training camp and hang out? Doesn't sound like. Am I coming to training camp? Can you come (laughs) hang out like one or two days? I don't know. Since you have friends. Maybe I've never thought about it, but it's possible. Well, I was just thinking maybe we could, I could set up like a live show. We could do it like a bar or something after training camp one day. If you would maybe be down for that, so don't like, call me right uh, now. That's like the beginning, the end of July. Yeah, yeah, August. This August. No need okay. to let me know now. Yeah, I'm open fun. to it though. If you're in town the the middle of June or whatever, like 
if, I, I don't know, Dustin, if you're planning on being in town or not, but you know, at least the believe crew, you know, get together and right. in between your, your busy, busy weekend and just have some drinks or at something. Very, and I actually mean, least, not we need just some, zoom. Promo- yeah. We need some promotional photos for this Instagram right. trying to get going, <laughs> yeah. at the very least. So at least come take a couple selfies. Joe and I can hang out and drink ice water because I know Shirley, mis- Te- Shirley Temple yeah, or miserable ex drunks. Right. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, thanks for stopping by tonight. We hope that no you'll no problem. You'll I had come. a great, a uh, great time with you guys oh well thank you sir um, yeah, good to yeah, see you. thanks for joining joe we'll, we'll work on a current player guest i'll try to coordinate with mckinney throughout the week otherwise we'll have another analysis show just like this um that will actually i should should have said this out of the gate two weeks from now i will be on a family vacation next week so that'll be two weeks is when we'll set up the next show you brian you got to get two weeks to figure it all out. right so two weeks okay yes, sir all right that's all we got for tonight skull vikings Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.